Thank you very much. Thanks, Sarah. We've been on holiday this week, and I just, just want to start by saying that um, holiday is amazing. I had a fantastic time with family and just chilling out. It was a fantastic weather. But this morning, it's good to be home. That's what I felt when I was sitting down there, standing down there, praising, doing whatever we do on a Sunday morning. It is good to be home. Can I just encourage you, before I even start this morning, you are home here. You know, home is somewhere that you belong. It is somewhere you can be yourself. It is somewhere you can relax. It is somewhere you don't have to worry about what people think about you. You are home this morning. Let's allow the Father to speak to us this morning. And that's my prayer this morning, is that the Father speaks to you and whatever comes out of this mouth, that it's the Father that speaks to you this morning. So, having said all of that, I'd like to start by encouraging you to think for a moment about your brain. I don't know how often you think about your brain. It's one of those weird things. You carry your brain around with you everywhere you go, and you use it to think all the time. But I actually doubt very much whether you think about your brain a huge amount. But your brain is fascinating. Do you realize that you've used your brain every single day of your life? Even the days that you don't remember, you used your brain. I can pretty much guarantee that. Your brain sits somewhere in here, right behind your eyes, weighs around about, for the average person, about one and a half kilos, and is 60% fat. Are you aware of this? Do you know that your brain is the fattiest part of your body, proportionally speaking? It is good to be fat, right? Because it's got to, because all of, all of your nerve cells are lined with layers of fat to help insulate them from one another. So it is 60% fat, which is fantastic. What are you doing with that donut, Tim? Feeding my brain? Can't argue with results. Did you know that statistically speaking, men's brains are slightly bigger than women's brains? By weight. However, men don't congratulate yourself too much. Size has nothing to do with level of intelligence, which is proved most days in our house. Because actually, how your brain works is by the way that it is connected to each other. So you have within your brain billions upon billions of cells. So they're called neuron cells, which are long, thin, thread-like cells that talk to each other. Right? About 86 billion cells on average. That's just your nerve cells. That doesn't include all the supporting cells that sit around it. 86 billion, which is an eight and then nine zeros. So 86 and then nine zeros after it. That's not the biggest number, though, because the way that your cells are connected to each other is in many, many different ways. So one nerve cell can be connected to others in lots of different ways, to the extent that the number of connections or synapses within your brain, just one brain, your brain, can be up to one quadrillion. Who knows how many zeros there are in a quadrillion? Lots. Lots is the right answer. Fifteen. Is that Twelve would be a trillion. 15 is quadrillion. Now, that is an American version of quadrillion, if we've got any maths people in the room. The English version of quadrillion is many, many, it's about 24 zeros. We're going American for this morning just because that's the stats, but before we disappear too far down that rabbit hole, it's a big number. There's a lot of connections. 
And the reason that that's important is because the connections are how you think. So whenever you think a new thought, your brain creates a new connection between certain parts of your brain. That's due to something called neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is your brain's ability to adapt and change depending on the thoughts that you feed into it. So when you think a new thought, you create a new connection. When you think a thought that you've thought before, you reinforce an existing connection that's there, which means that you're more likely to think that way in future. Ultimately, that is how we learn. And we learn that through a number of different ways. You learn it through conscious thought. You learn it through repetition. So that, you know, at secondary school, secondary school, primary school. Anyone do spellings at primary school? You did look, cover, write, check. Over and over and over again. That's reinforcing your new brain. Not necessarily the best way to learn before primary school teachers shoot me. But that is how many of us learned. Or we learn things experientially. So we experience or we have experiences in our lives that teach us things about how we perceive the world to work. So the experiences that we have create connections in our brain that shape the way that we respond and the way that we react to what happens in the world around us. And that's because of the way that the brain changes and adapts and molds itself depending on the thoughts that go on in it, which means that actually your brain doesn't determine how you think. How you think determines the structure of your brain, which is really helpful because what it means is that we can control the way that we think by proactively putting active thoughts into our brain to reinforce messages that we know should be there so that we're more likely to think that way in future. Why is that important? Well, Romans 12.2 says this. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we're talking about this morning, is about renewing your mind. The way that you renew your mind is by changing the way that you think. And that, I believe, is what God wants to do with us this morning. He wants to challenge the way that we think. And over this coming month, we're talking about renewing your mind. Over this coming month, through the period of prayer and fasting, I believe that God wants to challenge the way that we think about ourselves, about God, about the people around us, about our communities, about our families, about our relationships, and not necessarily take for granted the instinctive way that we think about those things, but consider how is it that God thinks about those things. And how do we need to maybe change the way that we think to bring it in line with that? You know, we're in a year of renewal as a church, which is where we believe that God wants to do something new. He wants to bring something new to us. He wants to challenge the things that we've held for granted for years and years and years. It's not renewal like you renew your mobile phone contract or like you renew your car insurance and we just roll it on for another year just with an extra year of no claims discount. 
Right? This is about creating something new and doing something new. And so this month, that's what I believe God wants to do. He wants to renew your mind. He wants to renew my mind and change the way that we think. So this morning, we're going to start on a journey. And we're going to start where we left off last month. So we've just talked about the fact that this is how we learn, right? Our brain changes depending on the things that we learn about the world around us, about God, about ourselves, all of that stuff. Last month, we talked about learn, love. And I couldn't think of a better place to start when we're considering how we renew our minds. 1 John 3, 16 to 18 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. How do we know what love is? Because Jesus laid down his life for us. The tomb is empty. I love that, Deb. The tomb is empty. That is how we know what love is. You know, Becky preached a brilliant message um, a few weeks back. If you haven't listened to it, please do. It's about breaking unhealthy cycles. This morning, we're going to talk about some healthy cycles that you can replace those unhealthy cycles with and that will reinforce patterns in your brain to help you learn to love. You know, we live in a world where circles are vicious and spirals are downward. We're going to reverse that this morning. I don't know what the opposite of a vicious circle is. A happy circle? Friendly circle? Don't know. But we're definitely going to do that. But we're going to use a particular type of circle or particular type of cycle this morning. Um, We're going to use something called a positive feedback mechanism. Ooh. Let me give you an example. Does anyone know how babies are born? Not made, not made, that's a very different question. Um, If you're struggling with how babies are made, please do come and speak to the pastoral team afterwards. Um, I'm sure we'd love to speak to you about it. You're welcome. Does anyone know how babies are born? Right, there, there are women in this room who are thinking, yes, I know how babies are born. Babies are born through blood and sweat and pain and through suffering through inane questions that my husband asked me like what color t-shirt should I put in the bag to take to the hospital I don't care what color t-shirt it is this baby is coming now and I want you to get in the car sorry reliving a traumatic experience there (laughs) you packed your own bag for the second baby didn't you (laughs) to be fair repacked the bag for the first baby as well I can't be trusted with things like that (sighs) we play to our strengths I brought snacks. Um, you didn't eat any of the snacks, did you? No, no. Um, so that, that may be how babies... I'm talking, talking process-wise, mechanism-wise. How babies are born right, is complicated, but I'm going to focus in on one key example. Right? Key example. This is, may get a little bit technical, but it's okay. Right? So when babies are born, when babies grow and they develop, when they're ready to be born, they move themselves down into an appropriate position... And with the head pointed down and pressed against the woman's cervix, right? Is this, is this okay? This is getting a bit technical here this morning. Right, so it's all right. That's as bad as it gets. 
what happens, that pressure creates a signal that goes to the brain. Right? The brain causes the release of a hormone, a hormone called oxytocin. Right? Oxytocin sends a message through the bloodstream to the uterus, which is where the baby is, and causes the muscles in that uterine wall to contract and push the baby closer to the cervix, which sends a message to the brain, which causes oxytocin to be released, which sends a message down to the uterus, which causes it to contract more and cause more pressure, which sends a message to the brain, which then, you get the idea, right? It's a cycle. It's called a positive feedback mechanism because what it does is it reinforces the message over and over and over again until something is birthed, right? That's the sort of cycle we're going to talk about this morning. Is something that you can put in place in your life that reaffirms a message that God has placed in you because he wants to birth something in you through that process. So we're going to look at five cycles, okay? Um, it's not an exhaustive list. There's lots of these, but essentially what these are, these are tools that you can use to renew your mind. Some of them are higher priorities for you than others. Some of these you might go through and go, eh, I'm all right with that. Others you might think, mm, probably need to do some work on that. May not tell the person next to me quite yet. <laughs> If that resonates with you, if there's a cycle that comes up this morning that resonates with you, please don't ignore it. Please, one, take the opportunity to come and pray with a prayer team because they would love to stand with you in this. But also, these are things to take home and put into action. The Bible talks about he who hears my words and puts it into action. That's what we want to do this morning. Okay? So, first cycle, which is a good starting point. And the most important one is this, cycle of faith. 1 John 3.16 says this, This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We have to start there. If you are looking to renew your mind, you have to start with Jesus. Because Jesus demonstrated what true love is. Jesus came... And he died on the cross for our sins. He came to take away the barriers that were preventing us from being in a relationship with him and with the Father. And he came so that we could enter into his presence boldly. We have to start with Jesus. Right? This is about reinforcing the fact that Jesus laid down his life for us. You know, there are lots of things in the world that we'll, that we'll talk to you about. Mindfulness, that we'll talk to you about um, kind of renewal. We'll talk to you about well-being, mental well-being. And some, some of these, most of those things have, have a great deal of value. But without Jesus, you are missing a key element in bringing your mind into alignment with who you are created to be. You know, when we're looking for true love, true transformation, true renewal... That is only found through Jesus Christ. That is only found through recognizing his authority and recognizing his gift to us, his sacrifice on the cross. You know, Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. That's in the Bible. That's good. But without Jesus... It's a clanging gong or a crashing cymbal. 
We need to have Jesus at the center of our renewal. You know, John 3.16, we've, we've had one John 3.16. This is John 3.16, which many of you will know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. It's only found in Jesus. You know, we need to reinforce our faith in Jesus. This is a cycle. So the stimulus is when bad times come, when difficulty hits, when we have a bereavement, when life is difficult. We need to reinforce, first port of call, our faith in Jesus. What does that do? That means that when I am tempted to ask the question of where's God? Where is God in this? What, what, how, I don't, God, where were you? That actually we reaffirm that God was there and is there through all of these things. You know, some of the biggest revelations that I've had in my life when I've been dealing with difficult situations have been recognizing that God didn't abandon me. You know, God never left or forsook me. He was there with me in every situation, at knowing and witnessing every tear, every shout, every difficulty, everything that I struggled to express. He was there with me, going through it with me. And if we can reinforce that understanding, what that means is the next time trouble comes along, when that cycle comes around again, because troubles will come, in this world you will have trouble, then my reliance becomes on Jesus, not on the default wisdom of the world, but actually knowing that my faith is at the core of how I think and the core of how I approach difficult situations. And it reinforces the understanding that God is there with me, strengthening me, going before me, coming behind me, all around me, giving me the ability to go through these situations. And that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, his rod and his staff are there to comfort me. Sometimes I may see them, sometimes I may not. But Jesus is there because that faith is at its core. The tomb is empty, no matter what is going on. We have to start with a cycle of faith. And you know what? If you don't know Jesus this morning, and if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I can't think of a better opportunity than to do that now. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you would like Jesus to come into your life and be present with you, to have that faith, can I just encourage you to pray with me this morning and then come and speak to one of the guys on the prayer team afterwards or make yourself known to the welcome team. But I'm just going to pray a short prayer and if you want to pray along with me, please do. This will be the first step on an amazing journey. So Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me, that you came into this world, that you refused to leave me where I was, but that you came to bring me back into relationship with you. Jesus, I thank you that you've washed away all of my sins, the things I've done wrong, the things that prevent me from having that relationship with God. Come into my life. Change me. Help me to know your love and your presence every day. Amen.
You know, if you prayed that prayer, please do. Come and speak to the guys at the front who would love to pray with you. Come and make yourself known to one of the host team because we want to celebrate with you, but we also want to pray for you and help reinforce that message for you. But that's point. That's cycle number one, cycle of faith. Second one, cycle of generosity. 1 John 3, 16 Uh, said, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? You know, this one is about loving those around us and having a response um, to that. You know, we need to make a decision to be generous to those around us. Have you noticed that generous people tend to get more generous with time? It is so much harder to give when you're not in the habit of giving. And I think it's one of those, for me, it's a little bit like, you know, um, starting exercise, right? Exercise is much easier when you're in the habit of doing it, okay? When you don't exercise a lot, going out for a run or doing some squats or sit or whatever you choose to do, right? is hard work. Being generous is very much like that, right? If you're not a generous person, you will struggle initially to be generous. But the more you are generous, the easier it becomes. My wife and I went through a period of time. Our, our kids are growing, as kids do. It's weird. I can't make them stop. Um, they, they grow out of things and they, you know, leave toys that they don't play with. Our, our house is kind of stacked half full of toys that the kids never play with anymore. They grow out of bikes every six months or something like that. We went through a period of time of selling those on eBay to try and raise a little bit of funds, which is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we made a decision a few months ago or about a year ago to decide, actually, do you know what? We're not going to sell stuff on eBay anymore. We want to, where we can, give it away. Because we know people who have kids that are younger than us and we know that some of those people don't necessarily have the disposable funds to be able to buy their stuff all the time. So we, you know, we want to give stuff away. We just want to bless people. Do you know what? It is so much easier to give things away. It doesn't matter what value it is. So much easier to give things away when you make a decision to just, do you know what? Let's just give it. That decision happens once. And then again... And then again, and then again. And then you get to something that's worth quite a lot of money. And then you make it again. And you have to make that decision every single time. And this is not just about money or material things. This can be about your time. This can be about your words, how generous you are with your words, how encouraging you are. That gets easier the more that you do it because you're reinforcing the points in your brain, you're reinforcing those connections, making it easier time and again. Proverbs 11.24 in the message says this, and I, I can't get away from the message, a paraphrase on this, because it, it puts it in such a great way. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It is so freeing to be able to be generous with the things that you have and just give them away. And actually, that removes some of the stress that you feel about your finances because you're giving. And I believe that God blesses that and wants to reinforce that. So, cycle of generous or cycle of generosity. Third one, cycle of truth. 
Verse 19, we've done 16, 17, 18. Verse 19 of 1 John 3. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we'll come back to that, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. That might need a couple of reading throughs. But there is truth at the heart of this. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. This is New International Version translation. That translation interprets this verb as a present tense, how we know that we belong to the truth. The original intention of that scripture, the original intention of the language is future tense. In other words, this is how we will know that we will belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. The intention of this is when difficult times come, when that inner voice, when our hearts condemn us, when that inner voice starts up and says, you're worthless, that you haven't got enough to get through this situation, we know that God is greater than that voice. This is a promise. So in the future, we will know that we belong to the truth. And if that inner voice starts, we know that God is greater and he knows everything. We only know a little bit. God knows everything. So when you feel condemned, recognize the truth. What does that mean? John 8.32 says, Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When? When will you know the truth? Verse 31 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What is this about? This is about knowing what God's word says about your situation, about you, about him, about everything that is going on and reinforcing that truth. It is choosing to believe that truth over the voice that starts inside. It is choosing to put that truth, the focus of your thoughts. So that when you're tempted to think about the negative stuff, you focus on what God's word says about it. There's two sides to that. One is you have to know what God's word says, which means you've got to read it or listen to it or find some sort of medium that gets that truth into your life. And then you have to choose in that moment where it is difficult to recognize what God says and to reinforce it and speak it out over your life. And the more you do that, the easier it will become because it's a positive feedback mechanism. So difficult time comes, you read the truth in God's word, you speak it over your life and it reinforces that within your heart. And then when the next difficult time comes, you find the truth and speak it out. So cycle of truth. Fourth one, cycle of prayer. This is really simple. Verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. We need very simply to create a default of turning to God in prayer. When life is difficult, pray. 
When life is great, pray, thank God. But when life is tough, we need to turn to God in prayer. One of the biggest challenges to this is distraction. And this is something that is probably more prevalent now than it ever has been. Most of you will have in your pockets a device that will give you access to all sorts of different distractions whenever you choose to pick it up and, and open it and scan it through. That device itself is not a problem. But it wants to, and there is an enemy that has a strategy that wants to distract you from God's word. To distract you from the things that you should be thinking about. And I think that distraction is one of those things that prevents the development of passion. Right? Passion is caring so much about something that becomes part of who you are. That you care so much about it, it becomes your focus. And do you know what? Passionate people pray and change things and change situations because they lift up their situations to God in prayer. One of the challenges that I face a lot of the time is being so distracted that I don't actually recognize the things that I should be praying about. I don't know about you, sometimes I get numb to all of the stuff that goes on in the world and it stops me getting outraged. And sometimes I think outrage isn't necessarily a bad thing when it prompts us to pray and when it prompts us to outreach to people. We need passionate people who will pray about situations and circumstances. We need a cycle of prayer. 1 John 5, a little bit further on in this book, verse 13 to 15 says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. God wants you to ask, and he wants to give it to you. We need to have a cycle of prayer, because again, the more you ask God, the easier it will become. Because when you ask God, you give him an opportunity to demonstrate his faithfulness. And when God demonstrates his faithfulness, you are more likely to ask him in future. Last one. And this is the key to the whole thing. Cycle of being filled. 1 John 3, 22 to 24. And we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to love one another as he commanded us. The one who, get, who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We need to have a cycle of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because actually, this brings us full circle. We started with Jesus. And we finish with Jesus and his gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know you can be filled by the Holy Spirit many, many times over? This is not a one-time gift. This is not a be filled. It's not, it's, sometimes we treat baptism with the Holy Spirit a little bit like water baptism. Water baptism we tend to do once because it's a public statement. It's a declaration and it's a fantastic declaration. Baptism with the Holy Spirit we can do again and again and again and again and again and again until it becomes hardwired 
until it becomes instinctive. Do you know what? When life is difficult, come Holy Spirit. When life is great, come Holy Spirit. We need to have a filling of the Holy Spirit. Can I encourage you to allow God to prompt you this morning to return to him, to be filled with his spirit? All of these cycles, and if you've lost track and you can go back and listen online, they are tools to use. The cycle of being filled will keep you in relationship with Jesus. You know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And his spirit lives in you because the tomb is empty. And so all we're going to do now is pray and worship and encourage our hearts and our minds to be open to the Holy Spirit and allow him to fill us this morning. If you've never done that, there's nothing necessarily scary about that. All this is, is about allowing God to speak into your heart, allowing the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to you, knowing your situation, your circumstance, knowing your mind, knowing your heart and finding freedom in that moment. So can I encourage you to stand? And I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you fill each person here? Jesus, will you come in your freedom? We welcome you.